food bank at West Campus served 271 people yesterday. That means 271 people are going to have food this week because of your service and your generosity. And uh, Christ is busy and can't be here today, but he sent me to tell you thank you. God his hands full running the universe. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, you are the God of rest. You modeled it for us. You worked seven days and then you rested. And you invite us into the same rest that you experience yourself. So I pray that your spirit would guide us into that truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Rest is a mystical thing. Um, if I, on my day off, lay around the house and don't do anything, by the end of the day, I'm exhausted and grouchy. Just laying around the house doing nothing isn't rest for me. Uh, several years ago, I went uh, pheasant hunting with my friend in this church, and uh, we walked all over Ohio uh, through the fields, and, and uh, uh, that evening, even though I walked a thousand miles, uh, I felt good. I was rested. I, I, I had well-being. So rest doesn't mean laying on the couch and doing nothing. For some people, that is restful. For other people, uh, it's not what rest is. And so since we're majoring on rest this, this month, uh, I thought to this Sunday and next Sunday, uh, I would try to explain from the scriptures uh, what is the nature of rest. And it turns out in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, we have an extensive teaching on rest. And what the author of Hebrews did was, he used two examples from the Old Testament. His first example was, for years, the people of Israel believed if they could escape Egyptian bondage, they would find rest in their life. Uh, they were slaves, and they were driven by taskmasters, and they didn't like their condition, and they told themselves again and again, if we could just escape Egyptian bondage, we would find rest. And the author of Hebrews says that God did deliver them from Egyptian bondage through Moses. The problem is, escaping bondage didn't bring them rest. In fact, it brought a new set of conditions in which God was so angry with them, he said, I swear to you, you will not enter into my rest. In our lives, we have to be careful that we don't begin to believe, if I could only escape these difficult experiences in my life, I would find rest. Here's the problem. 
wherever you go, there you are. You take your restless self with you in whatever life experiences you have. Many of you are self-aware enough to know that when you escape this present set of difficulties, life is just going to hand you some other difficulty. Life is not an uh, existence without difficulties. It's always something. Can I have one amen? amen? You thought if we could just get through COVID, everything will be easier. Well, we got through COVID, and now it's this, and now it's that, and it's always something. Rest is not me escaping difficulties. I have to learn how to find rest even in times of difficulties. So by rest, I'm thinking of three other words. I'm thinking about revive, restore, and refresh. When I, res when I rest properly, something is revived in me. Life feels differently. There is a different level of energy. Uh, my life is enriched. When I rest, I have a sense of being restored. Maybe I went through something that left me tired. When I rest, I feel restored. I I'm ready to get with the program again. Uh, rest also means uh, refresh. Uh, if we're not careful, life can get stale. Uh, have you ever eaten stale cereal? Uh, uh, it just not worth the problem. It's not worth the hassle. All right, if I'm not careful, life wears me down, and then life gets stale. When I rest, I find I am refreshed. There's something fresh and new and beautiful in life. So, because I cannot escape the, the, the difficulties of life, I have to learn how to revive, restore, and refresh myself in life. Um, I want to say a giant obstacle to rest is unbelief. Uh, we find in Hebrews, uh, so we see they were unable to enter in because of unbelief. They didn't enter into rest because they had a problem with unbelief in their life. What is that unbelief? You're always going to have a hard time finding rest if you can't believe that God loves you and wants to refresh you. You're not going to get there by yourself. It is, it is uh, the mystery is too much for us to solve by ourselves. But if I have a deep faith that God himself is a God of rest and he wants to give me rest, now I have, now I have a way of finding, uh, 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 being revived, uh, restored, and refreshed because now I'm looking for it in the right place. Uh, I want to say 
Rest begins with a way of thinking and then influences our body. Uh, you can rest your body and your inner self still be in total turmoil. Have you done that? You, got, you thought you got a good night's sleep, but you're, the, it, whatever the problem was, you woke up in the morning and you were as tired as when you went to bed because you didn't get a break from that inner thinking. Anybody ever been there? Uh, the inside thinking is exhausting you. All right. I'm suggesting, uh, for you who are book readers, I'm suggesting this book by uh, Ryan Holiday called um, Stillness is the Key. And uh, he's got a bunch of chapters on how we pursue inner stillness. And in one of his chapters, he shares stillness is... Um, Stillness is helped uh, by a way of thinking. And he suggests these five thinking ways of thinking. One, you can find rest if you'll take the time to think about what's really important to you. I have to interrupt my thinking about this problem and that problem. I got to do this, I got to do that. And I have to still myself and I have to spend some time thinking what is really important to me. So it goes something like this. I still myself. And I say to myself, I want you to list the five most important things to you. Then I begin to think about what is most important to me. In the process of thinking about what is very important to me, my soul begins to let go of a bunch of other stuff and it begins to relax a little bit. If everything is equally important, you're never gonna have any rest. If you're willing to say, this is more important to me than that, and so I'm just gonna let that go for right now, you have the possibility of finding rest. Are you thinking with me? Two, think about what is actually going on. I know people who ruin themselves by worrying about things that never happen. I, I, I've, shared, I've shared this with you before. Most of the stuff you worry yourself sick about doesn't happen, and the really bad stuff you weren't smart enough to worry about. Church? I've worried myself about a lot of things that never happened. And the really bad stuff, I wasn't smart enough to worry about. I, that's what I should have been worrying about and not wasting my worry on this other stuff. All right. So if I begin to think about reality and what is actually happening, it frees me from this nonsensical worry about the future is going to do this, and it's going to be that, and this isn't going to work. I, I am free from that because I'm focusing only on what is reality right now. What, what is the truth of my experience right now? And that has a way of freeing me from this worry about the future. And when I'm freed from that, something on the inside of me relaxes a little bit. 
If you're always worried about what's going to happen next, you never get to relax on the inside. You keep yourself hypervigilant. But if you'll just calm yourself and say, I'm not predicting the future. I'm just saying, what are things, what is true right now? Three, think about what might be hidden from view. There's a lot of things in life that we miss because we're not paying attention. Church? Uh, if you would take time and just think about, just say for the next 10 minutes, I'm only going to think about the good stuff in my life. I've done a lot of thinking about the bad stuff. Now for the next 10 minutes, I'm only going to think about the good stuff in my life. You know what's going to happen? You're going to start reminding yourself of how much good there is in your life. And somehow or another, it gets hidden because we focus more on the bad than on the good. Church. Why is it 10 people can say to me, that was a great sermon, and one person can say, that's the worst sermon I ever heard, and I forget the 10 saying that was a good sermon, and I just think about the one who said that was terrible. Why are we like that? All right. Maybe you're not. Why am I like that? All right. If I start saying to myself, there is a lot of beautiful things in my life that I'm just not paying attention to, and I'm going to look real carefully at my life, and I'm going to remind myself, although these things may not have been at the top of my mind, I'm going to refocus and remind myself these are beautiful things in my life, and they make my life rich and good. Church. It doesn't have to be complicated. Ah, if you like cheese, you can think to yourself, Man, that bite of cheese was really good. <laughs> cheese eaters. All right. Uh, uh, don't overthink this. You don't have to thank God that the earth is eight minutes away from the sun. We don't want to, we want to make this visceral. There are a lot of delightful things in your life. God has been good to you in many ways. If you think on those, your inner self has a way of relaxing. Four, think about what the rest of the chessboard looks like. This is sometimes we get our, our focus uh, way too narrow. We only see ourselves as a single piece and we forget that there's a bigger chessboard around us. All right. When I want to think about the bigger chessboard, I, I start by thinking, uh, I live in the realm of providence. I'm not doing this alone. I'm partner with God. When I think of the bigger chessboard, I think, uh, I am blessed to have a spouse that I get to share my life with. When I think of the bigger chessboard, I think, uh, I have some pretty good kids. I enjoy their company. I think, I got some pretty good grandkids. Uh, I, uh, uh, I kind of like them. They make my life better. I got a, a, a great grandbaby on the way. She's just taking too much time to get here. All right. 
if I take my focus off myself and I start seeing myself as one piece of a bigger chess game and I start seeing those other pieces and what they mean to me, it has a way of refreshing, reviving, and restoring. Five. And this is probably the hardest one. Think about what the meaning of life really is. What is the meaning of your life? You truly have to believe that you are more than just, uh, you're made for more than just to work 24-7. Uh, God doesn't have any slaves, church. Remember last week he said, I don't call you slaves, I call you friends. All right. What is, what is the meaning of my life? If I will get close, if I'll get more clarity about the meaning of my life, it'll be easier to let go of some of the nonsense. And the more of the nonsense I can let go, the easier it is for me to rest. Church. Some of you are going to get yourself all worked up over the next election. You're going to get yourself all worked up. You're going to be angry. You're going to be sending nasty emails to people. Uh, you really think the meaning of your life is wrapped up in the next election? I'm going to tell you what's happened. Half of America is going to think the right person got elected. Half of people is going to think the wrong person got elected. The people who think the right person got elected, they're going to say our best days are ahead. The people who think the wrong person got elected saying, okay, America's done. It, I've heard it this way for, uh, since 1972 when I voted in the first election. Ah, okay. Isn't the meaning of your life more than some political event? I hope it is. Isn't the meaning of your life uh, more than uh, uh, convincing somebody to agree with you about a political idea. Uh, isn't the meaning of your life something higher and more noble? Church, if I can connect to the real meaning of my life, I find I'm not all exhausted by all this other stuff that's going on. And I don't know about you, but because I'm a Christian, the real meaning of my life is intimately connected with the Lord Jesus Christ. My well-being has its origin in the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So here's what Ryan is suggesting. Ryan is suggesting if you want to find rest... You have to change the way you think. If you want to find rest, you're not going to find rest by trying to escape all the difficulties of life. We have to find rest in difficulties. And what, and what I think Ryan is suggesting, and I think he's right on, that rest begins with a changed way of thinking. And then the author of Hebrews says... The people who were in the wilderness for 40 years, they said, we will find rest if only we can get to the promised land. This is the way of thinking uh, 
I will rest when I accomplish this goal and I have these things I desire. Church, accomplishing goals and getting things don't create rest. In fact, I've found in my life, the more goals I accomplish, the harder my life gets. Church, when I was a boy of 28, uh, just starting in this church, I thought by the time I was my age, everything would be twice as easy as it is. The more goals you accomplish, the harder work you have to do. It's just so. Anybody have an amen on that? Rest is not achieving life desires and goals. Rest is reviving, restoring, and refreshing. We're going to send out an um, electronic message. I can't keep all these names straight. A vlog. Uh, we're going to send out a fog. Um, um, and it's going to be about journaling. And so I, I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about journaling. Okay. I believe journaling is a way to, um, to connect with the best things in my life. But I also believe it is a way of me uh, um, thinking more clearly. And... Uh, Ryan uh, has in his book, uh, Stillness is a Key, he has um, eight questions for journaling. So you who want to journal and you don't know where to get started, write down some of these questions. I'm going to share them with you. Here's a journal question. You take out your journal, and you, you write at the top of a page, where am I getting in my own way? What am I doing that is uh, self-destructive. What am I doing that keeps me from being my best self? And then you just start writing some thoughts down, right? Um, what am I doing that's keeping me from being my best self? Uh, well, maybe uh, uh, I talk too much before I think about it. I say things I wouldn't have said if I'd have thought about it a little more. And then you write a couple of things about that. All right. His second question for journaling. What is the smallest step I can take toward a big thing today? What could I do today that even if it's a relatively small thing, it could begin a process that really helps me live the life I want to live? What, what might I start doing today? Or what might I stop, do, uh, stop doing today that would be a big step in me becoming more of the person I want to be? Three. The thing that you are most worked up about, you say, why am I so worked up about this? Uh, I was driving to church this morning, this guy's tailgating me, tailgating me, tailgating me. I said, I'm going to church. I can't even see the guy. Uh, I'm doing three miles an hour over the speed limit, for the record. All right. Uh, all of a sudden, he, 
jerks out, passes me, blows by me, and cuts in on me as fast as he can. Uh, I, I didn't say one swear word. Is that true, Sharon? <laughs> I'm sanctified. <laughs> okay. What do we get so worked up about? Uh, what, what, what's going on in us that things that we have absolutely no control over, we let them be controlling over us? Asking yourself that in a journal is a good question. All right, four. What blessings can I count right now? This is another one, like in the thinking. How can I turn my thoughts away from what is unpleasant and I don't like to what is, uh, what's, what's really good in my life? Um, five. Why do I care so much about impressing people? What's got you so motivated? Uh, that person you're trying to impress, they're no better than you are. Church, they're no better than you are. Uh, you don't have to impress them. Uh, six, what is the harder choice that I'm avo avoiding? What difficult thing do I need, I know I need to do, but I'm just avoiding doing it? Seven, do I rule my fears or do my fears rule me? That is a good journaling question. What are my fears in my life right now? And how much control over me are I, am I giving them? And what am I doing to take control over them? Eight. How will today's difficulties reveal my character? As I confront today's difficulties, what will they tell me about the kind of person I am? What will they tell me where I am strong and where I am weak? What can I learn from myself today by thinking about the difficulties that I'm confronting and how I'm confronting them? All right. All of this is what I'm trying to say. Rest begins with a way of thinking. You can be in the most comfortable place in the world. You can be in the most luxurious resort in the world. And if your thoughts are troubled, where you are doesn't matter at all. You can be in the most average commonplace in the world, and if your thoughts are pleasant, hopeful, rich, good, and beautiful, your thoughts make the place you are better. Church. Uh, I do not find rest by escaping difficulties. I don't find rest by accomplishing my goals and getting the things I desire. I find rest, first of all, in the way that I'm thinking about life, myself, the people around me, and God.
Hebrews 4, 9, 10, and 11. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience as we just read about in the Old Testament people. Uh, God is a God of uninterrupted equanimity. Okay, equanimity is one of these words that fell out of the English vocabulary, but it shouldn't have. It's a word that we all need. Let's talk about equanimity for a minute. It means even you have an even mind under stress. Equanimity is when there's a whole lot of stress on you, you keep an even mind. Equanimity means emotional and mental composure under agitation. You're being highly agitated, but you keep mental and emotional composure. It means inner calm under steady strain. Okay, equanimity is a word that we all need to add to our vocabulary again. God is a God of equanimity. That means he's even-minded under stress. You never stress God out. God has been running this mess for a long, long time, and there's never been a generation that stressed him out. God is a God of equanimity. He has mental and emotional composure even when we are agitating him by our nonsense. God is a God of equanimity. He has inner calm even when the stress has been on for, for some time. The strain has been steady. All right. And because God is a God of equanimity, he is a God who can share equanimity. The equanimity that I want in my life, uh, equanimity comes from two Latin words, uh, uh, equius and uh, animus. Uh, equius means equal or uh, even, and animus means spirit. You have an even spirit. You have a, you have a steady temperament. All right. And because God is a God of equanimity, he can share that with me. God shares his even spirit with me. Uh, uh, his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. The spirit of God is a spirit of equanimity, and God shares it with us. I begin to find rest as I connect with the God of heaven who shares his spirit of uh, equanimity with me. All right, now I'm going I'm to uh, give you concrete steps. Here's some concrete steps to approaching rest this week. One, stop doing the things that disturb you. Just stop it. 
you know that's going to, if you do that, you're going to lose your well-being and peace. You know it. You've done it often enough. Church, my problem is if I get angry with somebody on the highway, I, when I get out of the car, my anger doesn't stay in the car. Oh, no, it's got to come with me. Uh, all right. I have to start thinking differently. And I have to start saying to myself, you are not going to like yourself if you give in to this impulse. You are not going to have any rest if you give in to that kind of thinking. Church. Two. Revive the things that give you restoration. Start figuring out in your life the things that give you a sense of being restored. Um, Friday was our day off. Uh, Sharon and I got in a car. We drove all the way over to Hartville. Uh, there's a winery over there. We had a, we had a, a, a nice deli sandwich there. Uh, Sharon ate their nasty macaroni salad. <laughs> Whoever invented macaroni salad, there is a dark, dark place in uh, the infernal fire for them. Um, we had an awesome piece of lemon cake. Uh, we just sat there. Okay. Uh, that restored me more than if I would have just laid on the couch all day. Church, you got to start paying attention to what, you, what do you do that after you've done it and you get to the end of the day, you say, life is good. I'm glad I'm alive. Church, start paying attention to what refreshes you. Start saying, I know if I do this, I'll probably feel better than if, than if I don't do anything at all. Three, seek the presence of God. He is the God of all rest. I want some of you to write this down and meditate on it this week. Isaiah 30, 15. Uh, put this verse in your journal. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and in trust, will be your strength. And then sadly, Isaiah says at the end of that, but you were not willing. God said, if you would return and rest, you would be saved. If you would be quiet and trust, you would be strong. But you wouldn't do it because you had too many other things that were more important to you. Church, I believe if we're going to find rest, we have to turn to the God of all rest. You got to carve out some time to set in the presence of a God who is perfectly at peace. A God who lives in uninterrupted equanimity. Something of the Spirit of God always rubs off on you when you spend time in his presence. There is a rest that can only be entered into through Jesus Christ. And I am suggesting to you that you create some quiet time in your life every day and you just return to God 
and rest. You be quiet and trust and see what God does for your soul. Four, create some stillness in your life. And this book is very good about helping us create stillness. Uh, I had to read this book because when I try to have stillness time, something starts firing in my mind and going, you're an idiot. You're just sitting here wasting time. This is not... Anybody get that thought? Uh, 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 all right. I'm an idiot when I listen to that thought. Uh, we all have to create stillness time. Uh, listen to what the Bible says. Be still and know that I am the Lord. Church, when I get still, when I find equanimity, when my soul really believes that God is good and he's in charge and he's going to work all things together for good to them that love him and are called according to his peace, purpose, I start to feel the rest, the peace of God. As long as I think everything rises and falls on me getting everything done and getting it done on time, church, I'm never going to have rest. You can't, ever, you can't ever get everything done. If you come to know that, church, you can't ever get everything done. There's always something else. It matters where you look for rest. And the very first place you ought to look is the God of all equanimity. I want to talk to some of you who would honestly say, I don't know that I've ever experienced inner rest. I don't know if I could ever say there's been a time where my inner self was completely at rest. I want to offer to you the quickest way to find that inner rest. And that is today to put your faith in Jesus Christ in a new way. To simply say to Christ, I can't get there by myself. I'm trusting you today for a grace that can only come from you. I want you to say to Christ today, I'm worn out with this. I need something from you. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus' promise. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon me. You learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for your soul. I'm going to talk to you about that next week. But if you've never really had rest, I want to say this morning is the time for you to stop carrying it all yourself and for you in your inner self, in your heart of hearts, to say honestly to Christ, I trust you. I put my trust in you. I put my trust in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. I want to talk to you who say, Hey, Doc, I know what you're talking about. I've had that inner rest before. 
I've had that inner well-being before. I have known the miracle of equanimity. But I don't have it today. I've let these life experiences push me. I've let my life get cluttered. I've created thought habits that are just ruinous. I want to say to you today, uh, the very same God who once gave rest to your soul is willing and capable of restoring that rest. The very same God who gave you the rest that you once knew, he's here today and he's ready to renew that in you. It is his desire to cause you to enter into his Sabbath rest. He knows how to do it. He does it well. And it's his desire to draw you into that very same rest. I want to talk to some of you today who you live in the rest of God. It has become a way of life for you. You know what it means. If the equanimity of God has become a way of life for you, then I want to invite you to spread it. I want you to infect some other people with the rest of God, with the equanimity of God. I want you to be the kind of person that the rest of God upon you creates a breath of fresh air for everyone around you. You do know there are people that it's easy to rest around and there are people that it's impossible to rest around. You have been aware in life enough, right? You know if you're going to be around that person, there will be no rest. Ah, but there are also people who they carry about a soul that is a breath of fresh air. They carry about a soul that is beautiful and at peace. They carry about a soul that is revived. It's restored. It's refreshed. And oh, what a pleasant thing it is to be around them. Church, in a world that is frantic, in a generation that's lost its way, we have to be the sharers of the equanimity of God. And if we don't have it, we can't share it. But if we have it, oh, how desperate we need to be to start spreading it and infecting the people around with that divine rest. Our dear Heavenly Father, You invite us to enter into your rest. In fact, you tell us to strive to enter into your rest. You warn us that not believing in you will defraud us of rest. So I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ that that spirit of promised rest would touch each heart that's here this morning and all those who are watching online. 
I pray that we would come to know the equanimity of your great nature. And then I pray that it would be so reviving to us that something of your great rest would flow from us to the people around us. And I assist through Jesus Christ our Lord.